great RevOps person is trying to think about how do I make this entire job simpler to elevate the person to do more critical thinking rather than how do I build a process that makes them like work in a rote way through all these things. This is Reveal, the revenue intelligence podcast, here to help go-to-market leaders do one thing, stop guessing. If you're ready to unlock reality and reach your potential, then this show is for you. I'm Sheena Badani. And I'm Devin Reed, coming to you from the Gong Studios. You've likely heard the words revenue operations or RevOps thrown around a lot lately, especially in the SaaS space. While it's a fairly new title, it's one that is critical to your go-to-market success. But let's be honest, if it's so critical, why doesn't every organization have a RevOps team today? That's where Liz Christo comes in. Liz is a partner and go-to-market advisor at Stage 2 Capital, a VC firm that specializes in early-stage B2B software companies. Liz is passionate and super knowledgeable about all things RevOps, so she's going to give us a crash course on what exactly RevOps is, how you can build out this function at your organization, and how it may already be happening at your company just under a different name. We are here to talk about how to build and scale your RevOps team. Now, I'm excited for this because I've been in sales, I've been close to sales ops, but I've never really worked closely with a RevOps team before. And I know it's a somewhat newer function, but I'm excited because I know you're gonna school me a little bit and share some of your knowledge on what exactly this function's all about. Well, it's kind of funny. So I first wrote about RevOps, but under a different name probably over a decade ago. And I was trying to call it BizOps at the time. And that like has since gone away and everybody is calling it RevOps and just coalesced around a name that I did not like glom onto first. But I do think the concept of RevOps is super interesting and the idea that you can consolidate and align all of your revenue generating functions and customer facing teams around like one set of systems and processes and structure and get everybody like marching in the same direction. That to me, like, is just a core of what we're looking at here. Okay. So when you said I wrote it under a different name, I thought maybe you had like a, a different name. You penned it. Like you weren't under Liz. You were like, I made a... <laughs> well, I was also Liz Kane. I changed names like, too. I was so unsure that I, you know, I went under a different name. Uh, but no, that makes a lot of sense. So, okay. That's a good point. Cause sometimes we're talking internally and we'll say biz slash rev ops. Are those not the same? Should we just cut biz and go rev ops? No, I just think most people are calling it RevOps now. It's just actually like people have like accepted that this is a thing and is like a consolidated function. But there's still plenty of companies that haven't actually put these functions together and have individual sales ops, marketing ops, product ops, CS ops reporting into functional leadership. Like this is about consolidating functions that kind of already exist in a lot of places. That's a good place to start. So maybe let's go a little deeper. So what problems exactly does RevOps solve? RevOps is bringing together like the operational and back-end functions of your customer-facing team. So generally, that's marketing, sales, and CS ops. Depending on the size of the company, you might also have like an account management team separate from CS or sales. Maybe that has its own operations function. And product ops sometimes falls under it too, depending on like the go-to-market motion. But within that, each of those functional areas has tooling, data, infrastructure. They're thinking about attribution. They're trying to get dashboards and insights from that data. They're defining the processes that each person on the team needs to follow or that their tooling needs to follow. 
they're trying to automate and deleverage different parts of the process. They're probably enabling individuals, onboarding new people. Probably one of the original core functions of sales ops was something like deal desk, like just help the sales rep get this deal booked. And like that takes sometimes a person um, and ideally less of a person's time over time. So I think about each of those individual tasks and functions, some really strategic, some really tactical and execution oriented, getting all up together and being handed to this RevOps function and saying like, solve all the hard parts of this. Okay. I like it. This, this makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about what does RevOps specifically not solve? What should they not be tasked or you know expected to accomplish? Where I see this go wrong tends to be you have a sales leader or a marketing leader who's being tasked with a big, hairy goal like, we don't have enough pipeline. And it's like, oh, we need a RevOps person. Like, we definitely need RevOps. And it turns out bringing in RevOps doesn't magically create pipeline. It doesn't build like a sales strategy. It doesn't figure out how to take you to market. It is actually like creating the process and structure and reporting on your go-to-market strategy and on your go-to-market engine. And so when I think about RevOps here, think of them as the layer that helps you get things done better, faster, more efficiently, not necessarily like the decider or the doer of strategy and pipeline. They may be critical in helping you execute it, but they are not going to be the overnight, like snap your fingers solution to actually getting sales done. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And there's also, at least in my experience, no magic bullet for a pipeline overnight either way. So good to know it's not, it's not RevOps either. So we're still on the hunt for that. What's like, what's the risk if a company doesn't get RevOps in place? And I know the answer might depend on like the maturity of the company, but I guess what's at risk if you just ignore this function overall? I definitely do think it depends on stage, but I think that there's kind of two things that I tend to lean back on. The first one is alignment between the teams. And so I'll throw myself to way back when working with a company where I remember the CEO asking a question of like, how much revenue did we book this month? Or how many leads do we create this month? And you go to your marketing leadership and you ask that question and marketing is going to say like, we got 400 MQLs. And then sales is going to be like, we only got like 270 and only like X number of those became opportunities. And you end up with like four different answers to the same question, depending on who you asked. And what ends up happening is people are pulling that data from different systems. You have your marketing automation tool, you have your CRM, you're going and looking in different places. And with the rise of a more self-service and product-led motion, you have this whole other set of tools too, which we can talk about. But I think the key here is you're having one individual person or one team responsible for looking across the entire customer-facing function and funnel to help answer some of those really critical business questions to get the entire team aligned around the data, and then therefore like the systems and processes that back it up. And then I think the second piece of it that I kind of come back to of like why RevOps is like so critical is just constantly looking for ways to make the entire team more efficient through automation. And that comes back to the tooling side of things. And in a world where now I think we have just every individual person is logging into so many software products every day. And I think the average, I'll take sales as the example in this one, the average SDR or sales rep starting at a company probably gets handed like 10 logins on day one. 
And in theory, it should make their job easier. But I think often it's a lot of process glommed on top of a lot of like disparate systems. And a great RevOps person is trying to think about how do I make this entire job simpler to elevate the person to do more critical thinking rather than how do I build a process that makes them like work in a rote way through all these things. So alignment on one hand and automation on the other are the two things I come back to. That definitely makes sense. Having sold to sales ops, that was something I heard a lot, which is like, how do we get this tool inside of Salesforce? And I'm like, well, why is that so important? It's like, because I don't want more tabs. I don't want more places where my people are working. Or another place they can get locked out of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, also true. And of course, as you know, the rep trying to get a deal done, I'm like, well, what's one more tab really going to do? But to your point, yeah, like I've talked to sales reps, especially the SDRs. You're absolutely right. I think like there's so many tools out there and they're kind of like, you know, a little bit more niche, you know, you need a video tool if you're going to do prospecting, but then that fits into your prospecting tool. Does that talk to your CRM before you know, it's like, there's so many different things. It's hard for, it's hard for reps to know where to start and where to spend their time. And am I looking at my dashboard and gong or am I looking at in sales loft or outreach or am I going back into like Salesforce? And now I've got three different places where somebody's trying to coach me and like, which one is even true? Well, let's dive in a little bit more here because you're a partner at Stage 2 Capital. So you get to see under the hood of countless companies. What are the most common misconceptions about RevOps? First, it probably comes back to this idea of what it's going to solve and that like it's like a lightning bolt or like a magic bullet that's going to solve some like really critical business issue. And it's like really helpful and you should have it and you should build it early and you should scale it with your team. But I don't think it's just like, overnight great success that solves all of their challenges in a business. And then the second, I think, comes down more to how you start to think about like building the team. And often I find that people look at like, all right, I'm going to go build RevOps. And so I'm going to take the best BDR we have, probably like 22 or 23. We're going to promote them. And we've got like our RevOps person. And I share that because that was my path. I started in sales operations way back when, but I remember like, you know, I was really young. I didn't really know what I was doing. And somebody was like, you're now responsible for like the operational components of the sales team. And not to say it's always a mistake, but I think you got to get the right infrastructure in place to support that person. Often like these people that are in RevOps roles, like have only seen it in maximum, like one or two other companies. So they don't know what they don't know. And so figuring out how to help them fill that gap. RevOps is not the same at every company. The fact that somebody, you know, saw a great function somewhere else doesn't mean that that's what you need today. I think you've mentioned it a couple of times where people just assume RevOps is going to solve this big problem. And I think it's because people don't really understand what RevOps does. You know what I mean? If you understand what marketing does or what their job is, then you know what goals they're going to accomplish and what they're not. RevOps is, by the way, you're describing it a bit of a cure-all by the way, it's perceived, but obviously not in reality. I've worked with a lot of ops folks. I'm very grateful for all of them. They're always pulled in a million different directions. So how do you prioritize what to do, what to say no to, what to say later to? Do you have any maybe advice there? I might split this up into two. I think first, it's like if you are new in a rev ops function joining a company, it's really easy to start by being reactive to all the stuff that is thrown at you. If you're in your first couple of months, like there is a backlog and like years of debt that you are dealing with. And if you just start like taking those down in order, you are not going to get anywhere. So I think for like the new RevOps person joining a team, really taking time to take stock, 
figuring out who your key stakeholders are, what are their biggest business challenges, and making sure that you're solving for what does success look like, I don't know, three, six, nine, 12 months down the road, pick your number, and actually tackling some of those big strategic problems um, at the same time you're working on the quick wins is really important. Like you have to have a longer term plan. And then similarly, if you are like a team of RevOps people sitting in seat, there are two parts of your time. There's the, what are we trying to get done over the next quarter and biting off some of the bigger projects, which is really like relentless prioritization. And then there is figuring out how to tackle the one-offs that do come up. And I think one of the key challenges of RevOps is like, you could spend your entire day or week on go fetch missions. Like Devin, you've worked in sales, you know, like people are asking questions all the time. Where do I find this contract? Where do I, how do I use this system? What's the you know number of leads we got this week? How do I access this? And if you get stuck in that pattern, it's like very hard to break out of it. And so I generally tell people to try to like do that sort of time analysis of where do you find you're spending the most time? And that can be a really good like guiding force for where you think about trying to automate things next. It can be indicative of where somebody needs enablement and can be indicative of where you need a dashboard or to automate some of the reporting that's happening and sending it out on a regular basis. But if you're looking at the inbound stuff, it's often like a good indicator of what needs to happen next on a strategic priorities level. So you had mentioned your first role. Were you joining an existing RevOps team and company or were you like the first person? And the reason I ask is I imagine folks might be wondering, when is the right time to invest in RevOps? My example is probably not the ideal one. I was an acquisition of a smaller company into a public company that had very distinct marketing versus sales versus CS versus services operations teams. And I was sort of like the cross-functional person supporting one subsidiary. So like probably not like what people are going to be doing. Yeah. But I do think that question is the right one, which is like, you know, when is the right time to invest and what does that really look like? I will honestly say, I think this needs to be like a much earlier hire. I'm looking at it as early as you brought your first sales leader in and have a few reps in seat. You have your first two marketing hires generating leads, thinking about systems. And the way that it usually comes about is like somebody early on in the business is doing this function or doing like some of these tasks, whether or not they're actually calling it RevOps, right? Like someone's time is we need to set up HubSpot. We need it to talk to these other systems. We need to make sure that like we're telling our investors you know, how many leads we've created and what the funnel looks like and what channels are working best for us. So like those things are happening. What I tend to find is that the right thing to do is to bring in some sort of like outsourced RevOps service earlier in a business. You don't need a dedicated RevOps person, but you'd really benefit from learning from a whole bunch of these implementations over time. You've used Salesforce. You've seen how badly it can be implemented, how badly most people implement it. So like, what if you got somebody who's seen it like hundreds of times to like help you see around the corners and minimize some of those mistakes? So I think about it as like as early as possible, ideally in a fractional way to learn from the mistakes of others and get some of the best practices in place. And then I feel like there's a tipping point where you're realizing that you have bigger projects to tackle and you feel like it can be a force multiplier for the other leaders in your business. And that generally is either going to happen when like your marketing leader isn't spending as much time as they could or should on 
actual marketing activities and is instead buried in the systems or similarly like your sales leader is. And I think when like one of the two of those is going to be the tipping point, it's like, okay, we actually need somebody thinking through like the systems, the data, the insights that are coming out of what we're doing to help guide us. I know on the marketing side, I think we got Kyle, who's our, our marketing ops guru. I think he was like the sixth, seventh marketer, like definitely very early on, who taught me to always keep operations happy because they make all things happen. So that makes a lot of sense. I don't remember when we got our first kind of like sales ops person, but I want to say it was around maybe a dozen or so reps. And Devin, I also do think it's happening earlier and earlier. So like, even if I look like five years ago, it was very different than like now. I think it's just moving earlier in the life cycle of a company. Check this out. 40% of organizations report misalignment between their go-to-market teams. And Liz has shared with us how RevOps can play a massive role in bridging that alignment gap. But this requires time and maturity. It won't just happen overnight. So how many organizations have already embraced RevOps? According to a report from Sales Hacker, there's a 55% year-over-year growth in organizations that have a dedicated RevOps team. And with the majority of organizations surveyed also reporting that consistent revenue growth is a challenge, it's only a matter of time before RevOps is a standard function, especially in scaling SaaS organizations. Now, let's hear more from Liz on exactly how to hire and scale your RevOps team according to your company's current stage. Does it matter if you go from that fractional approach to like full-time employee, like manager level, director, 20 years in the game? And I don't mean to go like title because I know that can vary, but you know what I mean? Like what kind of level would you recommend? So I tend to think of this in terms of like jobs to be done. And it takes a lot of time and effort to do this well. Like RevOps isn't just RevOps. You need to sit down and detail out what are the biggest priorities for the company right now. You might sit down and do that and say, the most important thing for us to have is like attribution of our marketing channels, a like clear dashboard for the activities of the sales org and deal desk. Another business might sit down and do that and say, hey, we're onboarding 20 reps in the next few months. We need like really strong enablement and like the processes and systems that allow them to be successful. And those people don't look the same. So I think the expectation that like every RevOps person should be able to do all of those things is a trap a lot of people fall into. And instead, if we think of it as this jobs to be done or like what success looks like six or 12 months down the road, we can find someone and build around them. I generally see the first hire being somebody with sort of like mid-level experience. You probably can hire a few people under them. Maybe they grow with you. Maybe you bring in someone more senior to take over more functions over time, but sort of like not so junior that they haven't seen it anywhere else. And not so senior that when you think about the many things I just described, they're like, okay, we need to hire three people to do those because it's just like not the reality of an early stage company. And then secondarily, I think I come back to if you've been outsourcing some of this or you have this fractional support, it doesn't necessarily mean you turn them off. You can think of that as sort of like supplement, right? Or complement, where you have a RevOps person that's going to own these three functions, and maybe they're going to project manage an outsourced resource who's only working four or five hours a week to make sure that like the data insights are really like crystallized in a dashboard for everyone or that they're writing APEX so that like the Salesforce workflows work. Like you can pick like what thing you need to outsource, but you don't need everybody to be able to do every single part of this. 
So for companies or leaders who are at companies who are maybe larger, more mature, and they might say, you know, hey, we, we've got this whole engine going, but we don't have RevOps as part of it. That might be even more intimidating or seemingly more challenging because you've already got this big, you know, this big engine humming or at least working. So what's your advice for those folks? Like, how do you get started with RevOps when you're in a more mature, larger organization? I guess I have to imagine that it's happening. You're just calling it something different because when we think about all the types of tasks and projects and strategies we've described so far, you probably have somebody reporting into these various functions who's taking care of a lot of it. You didn't get to be a big company by not having someone thoughtfully implementing your technology. Someone is asking someone for data and insights. Someone is helping to onboard the sales team. Somebody is helping marketing. And like, when you do it that way, I think it's more a question of like, is there benefits to consolidating those functions or not? And I think the pros and cons that come up there, one, I think RevOps often gets kind of lumped into sales ops and gets put under the sales leader or CRO. And if that's the case, and then marketing is sitting as a peer to the head of sales, but marketing's operational resources are reporting into sales, it can feel like this like big borrow steal, like I still don't have the support I need and that doesn't feel good. So if you're going to do it, particularly in a more mature company, you're going to start consolidating those resources. I think it's a really positive thing to do and creates better alignment. But the way to do it is to give the RevOps leader a seat at the table who can actually be a strategic peer to your sales and marketing leader. They need to be on the same level and have a voice in the room, not indirectly getting information funneled to them through one area or the other of the business. And if you do have that person as a peer and that support role can actually think about aligning resources to each piece of the business, it becomes a much easier thing to bite off, but it's a big investment. Not to pit marketing and sales against each other more than probably already perceived, but it can be a mediator of sorts, right? They might have a perspective that sales and the marketing leader don't see independently. So it makes sense. They can kind of bring them together. Yeah. And then like layer in customer success and account management and PQL is coming from product and this new like growth team that's got spun up and we've got a data analyst over here. Like, yeah, like mediator is a great word. They're the person who's sitting in the center actually getting to see it all. So whether you have RevOps today or you have RevOps today, but don't call it RevOps, what are some of the pitfalls to look out for as folks are looking to scale? It's a really good question. So I think one is that piece I was describing of making sure they have a seat at the table and making sure that you have the right person who can be a peer to marketing and sales can push back, is viewed as strategic and is viewed as a senior leader who has a seat at the table, not someone who is taking orders from others. And that shift, I think, is really important, particularly as this function is like growing over time. You don't want it to be like the most junior person in the room or the person that everybody is telling, like, I need this, that they need to be setting their own agenda. That's one. And then the second, I think, is you look at like actually how the team builds. RevOps, maybe more than any other function, can get like highly specialized over time. I mean, this happens in every portion of a business, right? Like your early generalist marketer gets split into so many different things and different departments within marketing. So there's a parallel here. But in RevOps, eventually you're going to have somebody probably thinking specifically about data and insights and thinking about your BI tools. You'll have somebody who is aligned to enablement. You'll have somebody thinking about deal desk or rules of engagement. You'll have somebody focused on marketing attribution. And when you start breaking those down, 
you need to make sure that you're being really thoughtful with how you structure your team and really open in the dialogue of like who's going to be doing what, or I think you end up turning people over. And so you need to make sure you understand the skill sets and where people want to go. And I think those are like the two biggest ones I see is structure of the team and making sure that it's like an elevated enough function and, and has a say in what's going on. Everyone has followed all of your advice in an ideal world, right? Now they're like, okay, but how do I know if it's working? So in other words, Liz, how do you measure success of a RevOps team? Are there certain indicators that you're looking for? Let's start like within and we'll talk like externally too. Within the team, I think it's like, what is the agenda you're setting? And whether you call it goals, OKRs, projects, don't really care. But like there should be some strategic agenda that you are marching towards that you are setting goals for the team to deliver against. And then there is also this reactive component to the business and making sure that you're actually staffed to respond to what's needed in real time. So I think some measurement of throughput and capacity is really important, both at the strategic level and this more like task management type thing. So that's how I would think about like evaluating the team itself. And then externally, as I think about like sales leadership and marketing leadership, I think like any other executive, it's more oriented towards are those cross-functional teams getting what they need? Do they feel supported? And is RevOps living up to whatever the team mission is that has been defined for them at that point? And so if I think about some of the things that could be on that leader's plate, it comes down to like, is the team delivering against the revenue number? Similarly, on the marketing front, it's providing them with the insights to make decisions that they need in order to allocate budget and manage channels. It can be quantified, but it's, it's often like a qualitative assessment between peers of, am I getting what I need from your team? So Liz, we've covered a lot of ground. Now there's one question we ask all of our guests, and I'm going to tweak it a little bit because we talked about RevOps today. So how would you describe RevOps in one word? Critical. Fantastic. Liz, thank you very much for breaking down RevOps, how to build and scale a RevOps team. We are very appreciative and thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you. If you want to learn more about how revenue intelligence can help your RevOps team, head over to gong.io. And if you like what you heard today, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you're listening. <laughs>